Tacoma's got the worst sewers. <laughs> really? It's pretty bad. Hmm. It, it just because a lot of them started like about fifty to seventy years ago. A lot of the home, like the major home building, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the sewers and stuff now are starting so because they're all concrete are starting to fail. Oh, Yikes. great! Or they possibly can get inspections. That's like we had <laughs> we had a bad joint on one of ours, and we just spent the money just to get the mm-hmm. new polyfill or whatever they do with yeah. it. Yeah, I had a bad joint one time. <laughs> I know you did. Not, it was not worth the $60. <laughs> Incorporated in 1875, proclaimed as the city of destiny, Tacoma has maintained itself as the city of grid. Tacoma kept its in-your-face artistry and individuality that sets it apart from anywhere else in the world. Our never-say-die attitude continues to this day. We are honored to bring to you those who live in Tacoma and its surrounding areas whose contributions are what bring this city to life. The reputation is real. Welcome to the Grid City Podcast. Here are your hosts. Welcome to the Grit City Podcast. I'm Justin. I'm Scott. I'm Jeff. I'm Derek. And today I'm excited because we've got a uh, a couple of people who, uh, they might dispute this, but I feel they're living the cowboy life. Like, we got whiskey and horses up in this, and I'm really excited about this. <laughs> we got Glenn and Maxine McCallum, who are uh, purveyors of both a... Um, a whiskey shop downtown. Uh, I don't want to call it a bar yet, but you guys got plans to do that. But it's a boutique whiskey shop, which is really cool looking. And then also a, a horse farm in Tacoma. And I just think it's amazing that you can do all of these things within the Tacoma limits. So I'm very excited to have you guys on. And we'll get you to just a second. I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners right now because, well, you can listen on our podcast, obviously. But you can also listen live. Uh, if you go to GritCityPodcast.com, you can hit up our Discord channel. And there we set up events because Derek is a genius when it comes to Discord. Especially by comparison to the three, uh, the rest of us. It's like, a yeah. very low bar to jump over. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> but you can listen live in our listening rooms. We create events that will actually send out a blast and let you know that we're uh, uh, doing a recording. And we're recording from the beautiful Union Club. And that's really when we do a lot of this, a lot of the times. Um, whether or not um, we're here, we do do stuff via Discord all the time, be it our Sunday sermons, our Friday night or Saturday night uh, hangouts, and a lot of fun stuff on that. You can also hit us up on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash gritcitypodcast. Again, on the gritcitypodcast.com website, where you can back us, you can follow us, you can help us out, um, and participate in some amazing events. We've got some amazing events that uh, uh, we've done, and a lot of the times we give kind of first right of refusal to our Patreons if they want to show up to that sort of thing. And uh, hang out. And also, you become a strange overlord in our Discord channels because we've given you a lot of permissions oh. that I don't even know that we, what we do, yeah. to be perfectly honest. Like, they can yeah. basically do everything. And yeah. also T-shirts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We got well. T-shirts and stickers. We also send you things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just did that, actually. Somebody just posted that they were really happy with all the stickers and stuff that they got. I think maybe on Twitter or something. Yeah, it was on Twitter. It was out in the wild. Yeah. That's amazing. Right? <laughs> out in the wild. So a lot of different ways you can hang out with us and uh, kind of uh, you know experience the fun of Grit City. 
And the whole point of this podcast is to talk about people and things in Tacoma. And I think Glenn and Maxine, both of you uh, really are about Tacoma in this aspect because you are not only one, but two businesses. And like I said, cowboy stuff, like seriously, <laughs> like uh, you got whiskey and you've got the horses. So first, let's start off with, are you from Tacoma originally or how did you end up in this wonderful city of ours? That's a Glenn question. It's a me question. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, well, so I was in the uh, I was in the U.S. Army. Okay, for uh, for ten years. Um, I'm originally from New Jersey. Oh, nice. Oh. Maxine is from Germany. Okay, um, oh. we met when I was stationed over there in Europe and um, moved all around the world. Ended up here at Joint Base Lewis McCord mm-hmm. about five or six years ago. Yeah, six. Six years ago, yep. And uh, we fell in love with the area and nice. decided, decided to stay. That's, I mean, and that's one of the one things that's really big. I mean, there's a huge military presence here. Obviously, the Army, but, I mean, all aspects of military are uh, around here. And it's really uh, an integral part to the whole dynamic and the diversity of this city. And I just love the fact that you just, you've come here for a couple of years and you've just found out how much you do love it. My wife was kind of the same, not as far away as Germany. Uh, she from Bothell, okay. but it's still it's still a different change in culture because Tacoma is um, a very forward in terms of like people will interact with you. It's not like Seattle where people will be very nice but still kind of ignore you. Tacoma people, and I always say this, they will talk to you whether you want them to or not. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those ones where you kind of you experience kind of almost I don't want to call it small town. But it's a little, it's definitely more blue collar. And it's definitely one of those things where all cultures uh, collide in an interesting fashion with that. So it's kind of cool to see how much you guys uh, uh, have enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, we lived in Puyallup for a few years when we first got here. And no, not digging on the <laughs> Puyallup, but um, it definitely, even Puyallup to, to Tacoma in the North End is a completely different feeling. And yep. I felt super, super isolated. Glenn was in, you know, the depths of being in the army and he was gone a lot. I was home with uh, our, our one son at the time and uh, moving to Tacoma, like we met people so quickly and everybody's been so welcoming and amazing. It's, uh, to, uh, Puyallup is really like, it's close, but it's, it, like you were saying, it's like it feels very far away. It's very rural. It gets real, real quick. Really fast, yeah. yeah. And it's just one of those things where I remember growing up. I mean, I lived in a university place in Tacoma most of my life. And going to Puyallup, it's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> and now, I mean, there's plenty of things in understanding as an adult now. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah, like the fact that I have funds and I can get out there fairly easily. Um, it was one of those like, yeah, okay, it's not so bad. But I still, I love Tacoma so much. And I, I just I love the fact that you guys um, let's start off with the whiskey bar. Um, well, the whiskey shop. Sure. It's not a bar yet. Not a bar yet. <laughs> Retail. Retail only. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about it. Um, first off, um, how long has it been open? Oh, give us the name and all the details and all the, the lowdown on it. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, McCallum and Sons Whiskey Co. Uh, we are located on A Street uh, right downtown across the street from Courthouse Square. Oh, nice. OK. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a great location. Um but uh, yeah, we've been open for just over a year now. December was our one-year anniversary. Congratulations. Wow. Thank Thanks. you. Yeah, it's been huge. Uh, business has been really good. Um, 
really just stunned by the turnout uh, and the support from from the community in Tacoma. Tacoma large, so. loves to drink. Yep, they sure and, do. And, and we're, we're learning that. <laughs> <laughs> we just recently had on um, a bar owner, Jason Alexander, who uh, runs the Devil's Reef, which yeah. is the rum bar, and mm-hmm. then also the Gilman House with the gin bar. So we love to get like all different aspects of, I guess, specific alcohol at this sure. point yeah. in time. Uh, well, and then Brogan also. Yeah, Brogan with Cosmic Bottles, our, our, our fifth member. He is actually he's in Disneyland this week, um, but he runs a bottle shop out in Covington called Cosmic Bottles. And that was one of those things where it's like, yeah, he loves to drink and he loves to provide a community and a communal experience. Mm-hmm. And that kind of seems about the same lines as what you guys are looking to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've never worked in the spirits industry before. Uh, I've never even been a bartender or anything like that. Me either. Um, wow. no, her, her either. Um, and whiskey's just always been a hobby and a passion of mine. And Maxine's kind of, you know, she's learning as, as she goes and, and she's catching on now. And I'm very proud of her. Just the other day, <laughs> someone someone was like, oh, what's this bottle I had a few years ago? And it it was finished in a port cask. And Maxine whips out her phone and types in the Dalmore and pulls it up. It's like, was this the bottle? And the lady's like, oh, my God, that's the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was more impressed than the lady was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're learning. Yeah. You're- nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like first shot. This is She nailed it. Um, incredible. But yeah, so um, uh, whiskey, I- I'm not like, I don't have any like professional certifications. I'm not like a sommelier, but for the whiskey world or anything like that. It's just, I, you know, I'm all self-taught. I read a lot of books, listen to a lot of podcasts. And nice. of course, I drink a lot of it. So, um, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So what uh, uh, originally got you like into it going this deep? I mean, obviously, like there's a, you know, you know, oh, I like this certain thing or I like this aspect. But what made you want to go in full bore on whiskey? Um, great question. When I was stationed in Europe, uh, I went up to Dublin, Ireland, uh, for St. Patrick's Day one year. Oh my! And God. It, it was out. Of, it was out of control. I've I've, was... I've seen the live videos of just like yeah, St. Patty's Day, <laughs> like when it's just like just everyone is just yeah, just mm-hmm. yeah. It's uh, out of control. Are we let to curse on. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. It's it's a shit show, like literal shit show, like people <laughs> shitting on the street oh, in Dublin. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, in between the, uh, the drinking and the debauchery, we, we, me and my buddies, we wandered into a, a whiskey specialty shop in, in downtown Dublin. And it was the coolest shopping experience I've ever, I've ever, you know, witnessed, um, just whiskey lining the walls around, around the entire room. And, uh, we all walked away purchasing something pretty special that day. And that just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it, it was really special, a really special experience. And, um, just kind of stuck in my mind, was in the back of my mind, you know, through the, throughout the rest of my time in the army and was always kind of a dream I had, uh, to, to open up a whiskey, you know, boutique bottle shop, kind of like that. And as I was approaching the end of my time in the army, I, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Um, contemplated joining corporate America and <sighs> applied to, I just threw up in my him, mouth a little story bit. Short. <laughs> yeah. Long story short, it wasn't for me. You know, I applied to every job under the sun and, um, and you know, just having a conversation with Maxine, she, she gave me the confidence and, and she gave me the push to, uh, to pursue this dream of mine. And obviously I could not have done it without her. Um, she was integral in, in the entire process and sure. I know everything about whiskey, right. But she designed the entire space herself. Nice. Um, she knows, you know, 
a ton about real estate. So she was out, she was the one out there pounding the pavement, looking for locations. Um, she was, you know, interacting with and, and really managing the entire build out of the entire space, like working directly with the contractor. Um, she's just very good at that kind of thing and taking on massive projects. And I was just kind of nerding away, like <laughs> trying to learn as much about whiskey before the grand opening and then getting the liquor license squared away. And, um, kind of like the more like, uh, um, minute business aspects uh, about opening a, a basically a liquor store in the state of Washington, which is pretty restrictive. Yeah. Oh um, gosh. Yeah. For we, spirits. So we're we're pretty familiar, like we talked about with Brogan and his bottle shop. Um, but yeah, like, and I've dealt with the uh, the liquor control board um, just over the course of the years, and just the kind of interesting rules that they'll have, <laughs> yeah. especially in Washington State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's 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 a very tough thing to navigate. Mm-hmm. And so kudos on being able to do that just in any sort of aspect. Like yeah. government red tape is one thing, but then with the liquor control board here, it's it's a whole other aspect. It, of it. It, really, it really is a whole other beast. Uh, uh, and I, I don't want to shit talk the, the liquor board too oh, much yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, because don't revoke my liquor license. Uh, but <laughs> I, I honestly did have a pretty good experience working with oh, them. God. They were like, we, we, we got our, our license in, in what? Two, three months or yeah, so? Yeah, but it helps when you're not like a convicted felon or something, right? That's like true. you're a well, decent yeah. guy. We had, so. a, we had a few things working for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, that's just the whole aspect of like, uh, even like doing it in these um, these last couple of years. I mean, like there's been a lot of businesses that have, have gone away yeah. and starting, I mean, even like, again, going back with cosmic, like you guys started during a time where it's very difficult to get a lot of things going mm-hmm. just because public spaces, open spaces going to a place has been, uh, just the ups and downs of people are, are people going to show up or is there going to be, uh, 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 an interest and obviously with alcohol in Tacoma, <laughs> like it's a big aspect of the, the life. We've got a lot of breweries here. We've got a lot of distilleries. There's a lot of stuff going on around here, mm-hmm. but just starting any business in these last couple of years, that's, it's an undertaking and it feels even scary for me just for you guys, just because it's <laughs> yeah. like, wow. Yeah. Like congratulations on having like the year, like good job. Like that's, thank you. Thank you. Well, I will say we, we did kind of watch and we're like, well, liquor stores didn't shut down during COVID. So we might be okay. <laughs> <laughs> essential. Yeah. essential. We're an essential business. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> yep. Booze is recession and, uh, COVID proof. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need, yeah, you need to drink if you're yeah. stuck at home. That's right. for darn sure. And we totally like, we just went all in and we were like from, from deciding to do it to the doors opening was like nine months. Oh, wow. Which was wow. pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> so we just kind of were like, okay, we're doing it. And we ran with it, uh, which I think helped us. And, you know, now looking back, because I think had we thought about it too long, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the process might have looked a little yeah. different. Yeah. No we, time we, to be scared, right? Exactly. Yeah. We, we, def- we, we, we took the leap off the cliff and then built the airplane on the way down, as, as a lot of entrepreneurs like to say. Um, but it's absolutely true. Like if, if we had done a bit more due diligence maybe we would have scared ourselves out of it but we were just like hell no let's do this yeah yeah Yeah. it's just that yeah like head down just go for it Mm -hmm. and see where it takes you and i mean people can go to mccallum and sons whiskey.com and a boutique luxury purveyor of specialty whiskeys and spirits and i love that because uh just looking at the website uh just the fine and rare spirits are it's just this list of 
things that I don't understand, but you look at the price, you're like, oh, that must be good. But I'm just like, what? Are you talking about the $60,000 bottle? Quite possibly. <laughs> Did yes. that tip you off? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, I was just like, how, what makes a $60,000 bottle of booze? Because obviously you're, you're, you're reaching for the stars with someone who's going to be going for that. It's like, oh, maybe the woman in Auburn who just won the $747 million, you know, lotto prize. Mm. You're like, Give her a call and say, hey, yeah. you like whiskey? <laughs> I got some for you. Some Where- Spread the love. <laughs> Where kids need to go to college. What makes a $60,000 bottle of booze? Uh, there, there are a lot of different reasons as to why why a bottle of, of whiskey could cost that much. Um, uh, you, everything from, you know, the brand you're paying for the name a little mm. bit. Uh, the packaging is is incredible with those types of bottles. Like they come in just the most intricate and beautiful like cases, like made from hand carved wood and brass and and crystal. And some of them have gold on it. Wow. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. Some some of them they they get they get absolutely uh, absurdly beautiful. Um, but uh, a lot of it actually comes down to just scarcity. Uh, a whiskey, right. uh, the, the the one bottle in particular that we're talking about is is the uh, the Balvenie fifty year old. Um, so it's a it's a fifty year old single malt Scotch. Um, and if you think about the the time and effort and um, and the cost of of aging a whiskey for fifty years, mm-hmm. sat in a cask for five decades, uh, like the the person who distilled that spirit. You know, Gone. 50, 60 <laughs> years ago, they're not with us anymore. Yeah, it's like, yeah. so it's like the, the planning and the, and the, um, um, just like the, the amount of time and attention that goes into, into managing a project like that. It's the essence of someone's lifetime work. Like, but, yeah. just like thinking about that. Yeah. You just made that realize that kind of just like clicked yeah. in my brain. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this person is pouring their heart and soul into this mm-hmm. and, they'll never be able to, you know, deal with the fruits of that labor. But then yep. you get to experience somebody's lifelong passion was this. That's Absolutely. cool. That's yeah. super cool. The, the person, you know, the the distillery manager from from 50 years ago, 60 years ago, whenever that spirit was actually came off, ran off the still, um, they knew they were creating something that they would never really see the fruits of their labor. Um, and and it, it is pretty incredible to to see and and it's it's an art it really is uh, it's an oh, art yeah. form I mean there's science to it as well but uh, it's that fine balance between art and science um, and the finished product is incredible obviously <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I have I have not tasted the fifty year old but I've been lucky enough to taste um, some other incredible expressions um, by the Balvenie you know the forty year old the thirty year old um, and the twenty five year old um, it's all just absolutely amazing. That's pretty cool just in the aspect of like obviously being a fan of the spirit itself and being able to experience that, but then having the business and being like, oh yeah, I've got to try this. So everyone needs to know what it is and how, you know, how I feel about it. And that's the same reason like we've had, you know, like bud tenders on from uh, uh, usually Mary Mart, but a, a bunch of different places. You want people to be able to explain what makes it that good or you know what the preference is or why you like it and being able to uh, uh, explain it to the people as they're coming in because I, I, I feel if somebody's coming in 
um, wanting to buy a, an expensive uh, bottle, they're going to have some experience and some expertise at that. But I'm just curious, uh, how has it been? Have you had a lot of kind of newbies coming in, just kind of checking out the place? Like, uh, and how do you deal with like um, the inexperienced person who might come in just as kind of on a lark, uh, just to check out the place and see what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I think Glenn is really good at that. Glenn can kind of our whole thing is we don't want to be whiskey snobs, right? Nice. Like we want to enjoy the spirit together. The reason we're doing this is because I mean, for me personally, I don't drink very much. Uh, one of us needs to be sober, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but um, I love and appreciate whiskey because of the story and the history and what it takes to make the spirit. Um, so that's kind of my love for it. Glenn obviously is very into the taste as well. Um, but I think Glenn is really good at catering to both of those sides. He's excellent at educating somebody that's walking in the store uh, on just the basics and the need to know and like, where do I start? Um, we have something in every price point. So whatever nice. feels comfortable for the person coming in. And then he's able to like hang with the guy that knows absolutely everything and plays stump the chump. And, you know, so um, we kind of, you know, we, we have the, the, coolest mix of people that come in and um a lot of times like a total newbie will come in and then somebody who knows what they're talking about you know is absolutely obsessed and a collector and through conversation with glenn those two people will become friends that's cool you know so yeah. that's been like this cool part of the store too where it's a community like this is not just some store you walk into and you grab your bottle and you leave like people stay and they talk and they come back just to chat people bring us alcohol to try yeah. nice awesome. oh, there's a perk right there <laughs> i was gonna ask um, kind of if yeah. you guys have thought about doing any kind of a, a whiskey club or anything like that and i know yeah. I, I used to go to a um a brew bar in puyallup quite a bit and they did i think every other friday or something they had a, a brew crew that came in and they just talked about what they brewed at home mm -hmm. have you guys thought about doing anything like that we do we do have uh, a whiskey club nice. um up and running um but it's more of like a bottle club like they come in and pick up their bottle that i kind of seek out myself and and pick out for the club um we have it's not too focused on like getting the entire group together and sharing some bottles. I would love to get there one day. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think we are, we are on that track. Like we do host some master classes and like ta nice. tasting classes and stuff. And club members get priority access to that kind of, those kind of events. Um, but it, it is, it, is, it, it kind of blew us away when we started these clubs because Maxine and I were having this conversation, like we got to get this up and running. Um, we, you know, we got to start building, you know, a, a member base and, and that kind of thing. And, and we were like, well, it would be really cool if we got like 20 members, but we have to 10, I yeah, think. yeah, it's like 10, <laughs> but, but we have, we have to be prepared if it's just like two mm -hmm. and, and we're like, all right, let's do it. And within the first like three weeks, we had like 50 members. Nice. nice. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. That and, is killer. Yeah. And at the moment we're actually maxed out on our American whiskey club. We're building a wait list for that. Uh, but we're still accepting new members for the International Whiskey Club, which the focus of that is like scotch whiskey and stuff. Cool. That yeah. is really cool. Now, like you just mentioned uh, uh, American and international. Are there key differences? Obviously, there's going to be key differences. I'm saying obviously a lot today. Obviously. Well, yeah. obviously. <laughs> well don't Here's, shame the people yeah. that don't know. It's not yeah, obvious. Right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, so what, is, what are the, the key differences between like an American and an international? Sure. I mean, there are tons of differences. Uh, but the, the main one is for, for an American whiskey, the first thing that comes to mind is bourbon. Mm. Um, 
tons of bourbon lovers out there. That's why that's why the club got maxed out pretty quick. Um, we we found out very quickly that. Uh, there are more bourbon fans out there than there are any other type of spirit, you know, whether it be Scotch whiskey or Japanese whiskey, Irish whiskey, or even like vodka and rum and, and that sort of thing. Wow. But yeah, the bourbon lovers, they're, they're out there. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I mean, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's, the main, that's the main difference. People think of bourbon, but then there are tons of other subcategories um, for your American whiskeys. You, you, you have rye, you have um, American single malts now is, a, is an up-and-coming industry. Like um, Westland Distillery right up in Seattle, um, they're spearheading the effort with a bunch of other, other distilleries across the country um, to make American single malts, uh, like a designated spirits category. Oh, wow, uh, they're yeah. working directly with, with like the U S government to like pass legislation, um, about, cool. about the rules and regulations surrounding, um, how to create that, that spirit, really exciting stuff. Um, and then you have like subcategories of your subcategories. You have like straight <laughs> bourbon versus like blended bourbon and, um, it, the list goes on and on. Um, and then, uh, to come back to your original question, so the the, inter- the difference with international, um, our main focus for the club is Scotch whiskey, mm-hmm. um, okay. and you have your single malt scotches, you have your blended Scotch whiskeys, uh, but then we also like to toss in some some cool, unique things every once in a while, like Japanese whiskey, Irish whiskey. Um, Jap- I've never heard of Japanese whiskey before. Yeah, yeah not to say that I have any education and that's on this, not but even the like most like exotic weird, yeah exotic <laughs> whiskey that we have right we have stuff from like italy uh czech republic germany like anywhere you could think of we have probably a whiskey so there's whiskey fans basically everywhere yes. yeah <laughs> every, yeah every every country loves their whiskey um but uh but yeah the, the main five producers um are are japan ireland scotland the u.s and canada um, so, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's not a surprise to me that, that you haven't heard of Japanese whiskey or, or never had a Japanese whiskey. It's still, uh, uh, a small percentage of the industry compared to American whiskeys and Scotch whiskeys and Irish whiskeys. Um, but it is, it is blowing up in popularity, uh, a, a lot of excitement around it right now. And some, some of the bottles are just so, uh, um, they're, uh, kind of the, the, the quality that's coming out of Japan is um, putting these bottles at, at like another level where collectors are are paying top dollar to bring in some of these bottles of Japanese whiskey. Like you uh, like you mentioned, like looking at the site and just seeing the intricate, like basically these are centerpieces a lot of the time. And it makes sense. Like you want to have something that looks really cool in your bar and i'm just thinking like a couple of those were like i mean this is like again going back to like lotto winning sort of things like (laughs) there's a couple of them because i have a steampunk bar at my house and so it's just like it was built in the 70s so it still has like old wood like actual wood paneling and it's just it's beautiful but it still it really it, it i feel like it has a whiskey vibe to it I have a random question. Um, how do you feel about the flavored whiskeys? Because there's been a huge, oh. and I, I kind of felt like, I, like I know that you guys were you guys said you weren't snobs about it, but I feel like this is kind of like an area that is, <laughs> like you can be a little snobbish because it feels very, especially you know, look at the fireball or the screwball. I, I you said it. You said the magic oh, word. Fireball. You said the magic yeah. word, fireball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we first uh, were opening the store, 
I don't, uh, Glenn deals with most of the distributors and stuff, but they were like, yeah, you can buy like 50 cases of Fireball to get this one cool bottle. And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, yeah, that's just not the business we're in. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's not about that for us. Yeah, it would be awesome to have this cool, rare bottle. But at the end of the day, we don't want people coming in the store and you, know, you can get Fireball at any grocery mm-hmm. store or whatever. We really want to... Uh, create kind of this journey through whiskey in our store. Um, And it's all about like customer experience. And so we didn't really feel the need to bring in stuff like Fireball. I'll let Glenn talk about kind of the rest of the flavored whiskeys, but uh... (laughs) real quick on Fireball, did I not just read that they weren't actually, weren't actually putting whiskey in it? Like, yeah, there's a, there's a little one. Is it a case? Yeah. They have ones that are like basically like whiskey flavored wine coolers and you have to look at the label and it, there's some sort of yeah. like oh it's I a thought beer. there was a lawsuit a beer. yeah because uh, malted or something yeah, like malted. that so so if you don't need that what, what what's gluten yeah. if you if you're allergic oh. to gluten or whatever and you think you're drinking whiskey I think and it you're was not. and you're not yeah okay. it, that's and then one other real quick thing um as I watch gas station encounters on YouTube a lot which <laughs> um, is a shoplifting <laughs> channel and their number one shoplifting is uh. Fireball. Fireball. Yeah, probably a good we, thing. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. We, we have been really <laughs> yeah, said it, lucky since on you put that. it in, he's getting, he's getting, uh, all this more. being said, Fireball is a great whiskey. Uh, it, it, has, it, has has yeah. it, it has its place. It has its place. It has its place. But no, yeah, Maxine's right. Like, we, you, you can get Fireball anywhere. You can get, uh, you can get, you know, Tito's vodka anywhere. You can get, yep. um, you know, name it. You name it. Um, uh, we we try to curate our our selection in the store, and not to say like again, we're not snobs. Like Tito's is a great vodka. Mm-hmm. I've drank a Fireball. Like Fireball's a great is a great whiskey. Um, uh, a lot of other flavored whiskeys, like they have their place, and and don't get me wrong, they're fantastic. But um, I I would just we have limited shelf space, and I want to I want to try to focus on bringing in some really special stuff that um, maybe people haven't have never seen before. Yeah, um, it, it's stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's stuff that. Um, you're not going to find walking into uh, Safeway, um, you know, even, um, you know, I hate to say it, but like Total Wine, like uh, I'll, I'll n- we'll never be able to touch the the amount of volume that yeah. to- that Total Wine is it straight can up put, yeah. can put on their shelves. But um, I, you know, I can bring in something really cool and unique that maybe Total Wine uh, won't have on their shelf because. I know how to sell it. Like I can hand sell that bottle mm-hmm. um, versus like in, in total wine or Bevmo, it'll just kind of sit on the shelf and a customer might ask about it. And uh, an employee, you know, may, may not know too much about it. So, so the customer will just pass it by. Well, and it's like, yeah, it's a big box store compared to boutique where it's mm-hmm. like, you have the expertise because you've poured your heart into this as opposed to, you know, an hourly job and nothing against anyone who's doing that. But at that same point, Unless they're really, really, really into it, you're not going to get that experience. So it's it's really kind of that that aspect of it where you want – if you want the expertise, you're going to want to go to those smaller places and be able to have that and sit down and have a conversation with somebody and be able to have another person who might be an expert just kind of come in and be like, oh, yeah, this and as well and have a communal experience. You're not going to get that at what is essentially a, a liquor grocery store. Mm-hmm. And – Again, nothing against those. It's great to get those things, but if you want that that personal experience, that's what you're looking for with a shop like this. Totally, Jeff. Yeah. You got uh, some questions? Yeah, I got a question um, about. So I, I buy. So if I buy this very expensive bottle, bottle of whiskey, um, and I take a drink out of it, how much did it just? De- 
And, and that's my second question. Do people do trade and buy whiskey? Oh, yeah. What's they, the depreciation yeah. once you open it and start how, Yeah, how does that work? Cause, and even if you pop the cap, does, yeah, does, does it ruin the whiskey? That whiskey is now fucked. It's like your action figure collection. You, know, yeah. you, can't, you yeah. can't take yeah. it out of the yeah, box. Yeah, mint, mint condition. It has to be in mint condition. got to buy two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, those, are, those are some great questions. And, and uh, honestly, we could spend the rest of the episode talking just about this kind of like aftermarket stuff um, and what goes on in the secondary market um, once once a consumer buys it from retail. Um, and, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there investing in whiskey. Um, they buy they buy a bottle and they, they don't open it and they hold on to it for a number of years because they think it's going to appreciate. And maybe they can sell it on uh, at, at auction or, you know, to a buddy or to, you know, a Facebook group or something like that somewhere down the line for um, and, and actually make some money, um, on the back end of that. Uh, and that a- absolutely does happen. There are brands out there that app that 100% they do appreciate. They put out kind of like limited edition runs yeah. and, um, and certain like limited series. And if you collect them all, like it's like, po- it's like Pokemon cards, right? You get, get the whole set, especially that, uh, that Charizard. Every- everyone's looking for that Charizard. Um, and, and, you know, a couple, a couple years down the line, you could sell it for, for a significant profit. Um, if you open the bottle, uh, which is what I prefer you do, <laughs> because, uh, um, you know, I, we, we talked about, you know, people, some, someone poured their heart and soul into making this whiskey. Uh, and it's a shame if it just sits bottled up, um, mm-hmm. in, in that bottle for, for decades. And, and it's just, you know, um, uh, just being stared at on the shelf. Uh, it's meant to be open. It's meant to be drank. It's meant to be shared. Uh, and, and you can have some really phenomenal moments with friends and loved ones um over a bottle of whiskey um go ahead oh yeah but uh but in terms of you know did did the bottle just depreciate yes you you can't you can't really sell an open bottle uh, an opened bottle of whiskey to anyone um but what i am learning and again this is not my this is not my market i'm i'm a retail i'm a licensed retailer so uh all of my everything i sell in my shop needs to be a closed bottle in its original packaging what I'm learning, though, is that a lot of people are buying these bottles, and if it's a really rare bottle, if it's something that that's super hard to find, they're opening it up and they're pouring them into like little tiny, you know, fifty milliliter minis, and they're they're doling those out and they're selling them for which we know. don't condone. <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah. and is also yeah. illegal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, but I but mean, it's it's also yeah. kind of cool because um and it it's about it's about the um. Uh, community. It's about the community, right? And and there are tons of people out there who who see these bottles and they have no, they can't find them anywhere, no access. Like it's a supply and demand issue. Like mm-hmm. you, you, they only they only produce three hundred bottles a year, and and fifty thousand people across America want a bottle of this stuff. Um, so it's actually pretty neat that you know people are sharing um, this whiskey. And I've had plenty of people come in my shop who just like bring me samples of like really cool stuff. And I even started like a, a series of stories on my Instagram. It's like sometimes, nice. sometimes friends bring in cool shit. I think it's called. <laughs> yeah. And it's like anytime. I saw the, yeah, 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 the little reel on yeah. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime yeah. someone brings in something cool, like I'll post it on my stories and like people have brought in some really cool things. Like it's stuff I never even expected to see. Um, 
And, and it's just it's just weird that, you know, we own the whiskey store, but people are bringing us whiskey to taste. So. <laughs> well, and it's just like people want to share their passion. Yeah. And like you said, like uh, like like whiskey is a lot of people's passion. So once you get into that, it's it, it's anything like you're just talking about like Pokemon cards. I mean, hell, I collected magic cards and I still have them. But like <laughs> it's like one of those things where you just get into it and you're like, oh, no, you find a community who loves that aspect of it. And you can just completely nerd out in a safe space. Totally. And that's just the whole aspect of it it's like you are creating a welcoming environment and i mean even with you've got uh the event space that's going to be coming soon correct yes so that's one of those things where i'm excited to see what kind of events you guys are going to be holding because that's one of those things like providing community and being able to do things and show people like you can come out and hang out and it's just like it's not just you know sitting at home in your smoking jacket having a drink and in front of the fire which is still amazing that's a great but, night. that's a great night right yep. but uh you can still also go out there and share some sort of experiences maybe do some sort of event that is maybe not centered around whiskey but also involves it like yeah. that's just kind of the fun part about that i think the store is like a homecoming for a lot of people you know like people come in and and i mean we laugh because a lot of people come in that have, haven't uh-huh. seen it and they're like it's the same line over and over like oh my gosh is this heaven right <laughs> um, but it's it's fun for us too to be able to to be that spot for whiskey lovers to come in and and feel at home and meet their people and and be able to talk about it and we don't just sit there and sell whiskey all day like glenn will chat for hours with you if you you know let him or want to or whatever and if he does need to help other customers you can chat with the next guy over because uh chances are they want to so yeah it's a cool space that's amazing you could supposed to say diecutstickers.com all the time and that'll like, be my job in this i could ask you about your interesting coaster and you could tell me oh fuck jeff i'm drunk oh, you want to don't make this hard Listen, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. all right all right jeff you started are we doing something now yeah, yeah, yeah. what are we doing yeah. yeah, act like here. Make 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 a noise. Bang bang that bang that against the. Hey Scott, be careful! You about spilled your beer all over my Grit City podcast sticker. Yeah, don't worry, man. They're they're durable. They're made by diecutstickers.com. By who? Diecutstickers.com. How do you get them? Go to diecutstickers.com and tell them the Grit City podcast sent you. Exactly. That's where you can get high quality, durable stickers for any of your needs. Grit City fifteen. He gets 15% off. <laughs> he couldn't come up with it. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, we need to put that in. But I couldn't. I couldn't. My brain didn't work fast enough. Can we do it again? This is too much fun, but I'm, I'm a little too tipsy to be doing this. <laughs> now, let's shift gears a little bit because still kind of on the cowboy theme. Because if you just go a little bit further south uh, from the place, which is uh, down on A Street, you can check out McCallum and Sons uh whiskey.com get the address get all the information we have all the links on all of our stuff there but going from whiskey to horses uh it was i i love the spot because we've driven by it a couple of times it's right by the new commencement bay cannabis and there's a it's, it's an old kind of diner type that we've always wanted to go to that i've never actually managed to go to but it's like <laughs> one of those things like it's right down there on 72nd street and it's it's mostly tacoma but it's like a nice big rural spot you're starting to get to puyallup but you're not really far away yet like first safe th- distance from puyallup <laughs> <laughs> you're still in, you're still in tacoma and very close to a lot of um like just like i'm just thinking like the Safeway, like like the yep. actual like living mm-hmm. and it is the iron horse farm mm-hmm. 
And what brought that to be as well? Because that's kind of an interesting aspect of going from, I mean, you got the whiskey and you've come here for uh, just because of military and bringing yourself out here. What made you want to create this <laughs> Where farm. the horses come from? Yeah. 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 Where, where, where do the horses come what's up? Yeah. What's the deal with the horses? I, asked, I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I started riding when I was four years old. And, oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, once a horse girl, always a horse girl. Yep. That never goes away, and unfortunately, it's really expensive. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're like 1,500-pound animals that uh, get put on this earth to try and kill themselves, um, and that's are really expensive. <laughs> but they're really fun. Um, so I, I was never able to own a horse. Um, you know, they are really expensive, and um, when I was a teenager, I had to stop riding. I rode all those years, and unfortunately, for financial reasons, reasons I had to stop riding. And... Um, you know, I started moving around with Glenn and we had kids and all the things. Um, and one day, I not up. when she was a teenager, by the way, there was, there was, Fair there enough. was a significant period of time between <laughs> when she stopped riding. Not and that when significant. Time we got married like a couple days before my tw- uh, 20th birthday. So actually I was a teenager. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't oh, know man. if you need that reminder, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, we were young and wild and we got engaged like three months after meeting, but that's a Aww. story for another day. Aww. Um, <laughs> but I kind of looked up one day and I was like, why am I not riding? I can afford it now, I think. Um, and so I went and took a couple lessons and realized very quickly that as an adult, I did not want to ride other people's horses. I wanted my own horse. And, uh, as I do, when I get an idea in my head, it tends to happen, whether Glenn likes it or not, or anybody likes it or not. And so I Manifest went out and <laughs> <laughs> bought a horse and, uh, Funny enough, got pregnant like two months later by sort of accident. Uh, We had been told that it was going to be really hard to get pregnant on our own again. Um, And so we just kind of like, let's just try for a couple months and then we'll go down that whole medical route again. Um, And... Uh, you know, when you stop trying, it happens. <laughs> and we had just decided let's stop trying um, because it's COVID. We probably shouldn't be like going in and out of medical facilities if we don't have to and mm-hmm. not overload the system and whatever. Uh, and then I happened to be pregnant anyway. But uh, so as all this is happening, I rode until I was like five months pregnant. But um, the place where I was keeping my horse uh, almost killed him like twice. Uh, just they're very very sensitive creatures they're massive but they're really sensitive to heat to changes in diet to changes in temperature all the things so we try to control as many variables as possible but uh i just couldn't stand to see that happening to my horse and uh i'm kind of somebody who like if i don't like how something's being done i i'm like well i'll just do it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i'll do it better (laughs) and so every day from the barn i would drive a different way home to try and figure out i wanted my property to be close to where I lived in the North end. Cause horses do try to kill themselves. So I need to be there like quickly if mm-hmm. something happens. Uh, and I drove by this gorgeous piece of property, flat 20 acres, um, and just fell in love and ended up looking them up on, on the like tax record thing. And their names were Geraldine and Cornelius. And I was like, well, they're on their way out. So. <laughs> Gerald, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, uh, well, that's some detective oh, work. But, I love no, that. You, and you say that, but that's literally what my, my wife was saying, because when we were looking for a, a house, 
it was, or we were looking at properties and she ran across that exact same property and it was that same thing. And we're just like, oh yeah, because it was just a beautiful, like we're not going to, we don't need 20 acres. But she was just looking through all of those different things and it was like, oh yeah, okay. And then yeah, yeah, Geraldine and Cornelius. Yeah, it just sure says it's enough, going on. I called and they said, oh, it's so funny. We were talking last night. They were um, such amazing people and very religious. And they said, we were just talking last night about, a lot of property for us to maintain in these later yeah. years. And um, we were talking about putting it on the market. And it's just a miracle that you called us. And so serendipity. I, I, it's like I perfect. Yeah. <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> so your horse is there. Do yes. you have one horse? Do you have like uh, 14 horses? How many horses do you have? That's a multi-horse look oh that she's doing. Right now. <laughs> now we're really getting the hard questions. Brown, so he doesn't know how many there are. <laughs> no, that's just Glenn. They do that's all, Glenn. They do all look that's... the same. <laughs> no, I personally have three horses. And then we have a pony that I bought for our kids to learn Aww. on. Um, and then there's another pony that we rescued from auction. He was, you know, nourished and nobody had trimmed his hooves they were like curled up and whatever oh. and originally that was the pony I bought for my kids like let's you know nurse him back to health and whatever but he just kind of lives on the property fat and happy and doesn't have to do anything the kids just feed him treats good for him um, yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> so that's, that's fair and then we have Nigel for the kids um he's you know he's sweet but he's a little younger so he has some training left and then I have my my three horses that uh I compete so what do you mean with competing? Because if you're in the Pacific Northwest, you may know of like the Roy Rodeo, which is a rodeo, exactly what you would think of it as being, you know, barrel racing, doing all that sort of thing. Yours is different though, correct? Yes. Yeah. So um, the two main categories are uh, Western and English. Um, so the rodeo stuff is Western. Okay. And I ride English. Oh, okay. Um, and so in that, there's sort of subcategories. There's dressage. There's cross country. There's uh, show jumping. Um, those are kind of the main ones. There are a bunch oh, of other ones too. Okay. So we are hunter jumpers. So I have two trainers that work at the farm. One is a dressage trainer. That's kind of like the dancing, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the hunter jumper trainer. and we So we jump. Right. So you're essentially navigating this animal around a course of uh, whatever, eight to 15 jumps, and you have to try to not knock them down. Um, and in the hunter world, which is what I do, it's kind of about style and the, the way you look doing it, the way your horse goes. That's um, something else just clicked because I have uh, an old intern of mine in uh, my old radio career. She, she, same thing, grew up with horses very young, um, came out here, did some radio stuff, did some comedy in L.A., pandemic hit went back home with her family and got back into, and it's that same stuff. It's the dressage. It's the, the, the jumping and all of that aspects of it. She created like an amazing, like, I mean, the beasts are gigantic. Yeah. So she had, the she created beasts. like this arch and like with all these flowers and all this stuff and like some, like some great costuming for her and the animal. Mm -hmm. And it was just like super cool. So yeah, that like, okay, I, I, I vibe with that and I understand what's going yeah. on with that. That's super so, cool. So we're, we're less cowboy actually and more like, I, I prefer Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders of Tacoma. <laughs> there where, you go. You know, Tommy Shelby, he's buying up racehorses and like producing his own gin in the back room. I love that show. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a great 
a little less cowboy, a little more Peaky Blinders. Yeah. That is perfect. I have a question yeah. from our uh, Coaster Questions. Ooh, yeah. What's yeah. the question? So it says, Iron Horse, has the uh, new fireworks stand across the street affected the horse farm? That's oh. a great question. <laughs> yeah, because wow. Boom City is like right who asked, out. Chris, who asked that question? My, yeah. my wife. Michelle. Yeah. My wife. Well, well, thank you. We love you. Yes. Well, um, you know, honestly, it's funny. When I bought the property, Commencement Bay Cannabis was not open yet. Yeah. And what we were told is that they were opening like a cultural center over there, which we're like, that's great. Very cool. Um, three weeks later, after I bought the property, the sign went up and I was like, oh, gosh. It's a type of culture. <laughs> yeah, weed's a culture. Um, it is a culture. Right. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's all that about the community, been, guys. <laughs> that has been like the greatest uh, thing because um, our side of Waller um, mm-hmm. is actually really great and safe. Um, if you go the other way. A little sketchy. Yeah. Um, but having commencement bay cannabis there, they have security there all the time. And they are oh, so yeah. on it. So mm-hmm. like anytime somebody sort of starts to wander our direction, somebody comes running out of there and is that's, like, no, 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 no. That's awesome. Yeah. So that part is great. The fireworks situation is not ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they do have a rule that they're not supposed to shoot any fireworks off of that property. Yeah. Unfortunately, they absolutely do. And yeah, I mean that's that's like like Tacoma, like I mean, you've been here long enough. I think you kind of have realized now at this point, even on the north end, like people just shoot fireworks to shoot fireworks, yeah. and it like it's the lowest priority for like TPD. Like they say, yeah. like the only person I know who's ever been ticketed was Brogan, yeah. and that was and it was literally because because and it, he wasn't even shooting off fireworks. It was somebody else at the party, but they were in the middle of a road. He was walking over there to tell them to stop, oh. and the cop rolled by. Mm. And it was like literally just one of those things where you got hit up with. So, but yeah, it's that same sort of aspect of like, they can say that you're not supposed to, but it's, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's really tough for us. I, our horses are, you know, horses are flight animals. They're sensitive to that kind of stuff. Um, so, and unfortunately the best thing that we can do to help them is to drug them. But our competition season is in the summer, and oh. we can't drug them oh, no. within 14 days of competition because yeah. you will get disqualified if you get randomly drug tested. Yeah, PEDs. Um, so that's been really rough. <laughs> I will, f- from now until forever, spend my 4th of July's and New Year's at my farm Uh you know, with mm-hmm. friends just hanging out. And when it gets that time, if we can drug them, we will. The really crazy ones. Funny enough, the racehorses that we get off the track and race start to jump, they're totally fine. They don't care because they're used, <laughs> used to it. To it. Um, but our horses, like, will will run. And it feels like, I don't know. I mean, Glenn's been a war. I haven't. I'm not built that way. But that's what it feels like to me, right? We're, like, running around and the fireworks are going off. The air is smoky. The horses are freaking out, like, pulling down hot wire. And we're, like, shoving earplugs down their ears. <laughs> Like, it's okay, buddy. It's it crazy snakes. around here on the 4th of July. Yeah. It gets yeah. unreal. And especially that area. That area gets yeah. crazy. I will say this uh, last 4th of July, once we had drugged them, my trainer and I, um, before that we were sitting in the hot tub, things started to get a little crazy. So we like got up, dried off, like ran around, got all the horses like drugged that were not showing and the other ones got earplugs and snacks. Uh, and then we just drove the gator to the front of the property and like sat and watched the fireworks. Yeah. So yeah. That part was really cool. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, at this point it's like, 
we can't change it. They're allowed to do what they want on their property. Mm-hmm. Um, I think next year I might try to have a conversation like, hey, there are a bunch of really expensive horses over here mm-hmm. um, that we would love not to like break their well, legs. <laughs> and, and also, I, I think there might be a, a change in just the, the drones, the drone. Uh, just uh, Oh, drone fireworks and drone, stuff like drone yeah, displays. And, 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 yeah. Drone displays are so cool now. I'd rather spend money on the drone display <laughs> than on fireworks. Per se. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, uh, even looking at that, yeah. like I've seen like checking out or even going to like the space needle and you're like oh this is going to be a fun super cool event and then like (laughs) if the weather is any sort of iffy it's it's over and it just sucks yeah or or if like if like the smoke goes off weird you're like just staring at smoke and then maybe a flash or something you're like i i i I love fireworks but on that also also on that aspect like i understand how traumatizing it is for pets we got two cats Fortunately, they are nowhere near fifteen hundred pounds. So you know we got you know the little ten pounder and fourteen pounder, but that's it. And just dealing and trying to like, help them get through that. Yeah. People with dogs or iffy dogs, or especially again, this is a military, a lot of military community, and there's a lot of people have to deal with the PTSD aspect of it, yeah. and that can trigger. Uh, we've got good friends who have like basically they just go out camping uh for any of the 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 big fireworks you know fourth of july and new year's and stuff like that but with horses you got to sit there and take care of them and oh, they yeah. can't they can't go anywhere and they don't know what's going on well it's funny you're comparing your cats to 1500 pound animals oh. my trainer decided that she was going to go out there in her flip-flops i'm like in my heavy like no! boots. i'm like are you kidding no you've been doing this for 30 years like, like i got don't this get stepped mm-hmm. on right especially if things get a little hectic and right. i mean like you said like if they're flight animals they can be a little skittish yeah just for any reason yeah. like everyone like the aspect of like horses like you know like don't walk behind a horse don't you know yeah. do any sort of aspect that can freak them out because yeah if you just stomp down your foot it's not that your foot's broken your foot yeah. just doesn't exist anymore but <laughs> like, the, it's, yeah, it's true it's absolutely um but i will say that we curate the people who are at the farm. Like I do not allow unsafe horses to be at the farm and they have their time, right? Like, you know, if they come to us with a problem or whatever, we have a couple of months where it's like, okay, well, can we like work through this? But the reality is that the most important people on that property are my staff. Oh yeah. If the staff get hurt, I'm screwed. Like I have three kids. I have other businesses. I have things I need to be doing. I can't be there taking care of the horses all day. I hire people for that. So if my people get hurt, first of all, they probably don't want to work for me anymore. Right. And second of all, right, they can't work for me. So um, we're really careful about the the horses that we do bring to the farm. Um, You know, my trainers and I both all are under the same, you know, understanding that like, too old for this shit like we don't want to get hurt like we just yeah, we right? want to yeah. enjoy the sport and it's dangerous it's an extreme sport whether people want to believe that or not um so it's dangerous enough as it is we don't want dangerous animals mine only like to pet horse yeah I couldn't imagine jumping <laughs> well that's why that's why they, don't, they know that they're they're so amazing right like a horse will regulate their heartbeat to yours from like like, really yeah steps away. like they're just incredible like you know you'll um I knew a rider who um, the horse was tensing like in its in its jaw uh, while she was riding. And so the trainer eventually was like, well, why is that happening? What are you doing with your mouth? And she's like, oh, well, I'm clenching. 
because I'm nervous or whatever. And she's yeah. like, okay, well, next time you ride chew gum, which is not advisable, but she's like, chew gum, right? Let's like make the, te- and the tension went away in the horse too, right? So if I'm weaker wow. on my left side, my horse is generally going to be weaker on my left side. So they're really just incredible animals, super, super intuitive. So all that being said, like our horses love us and know us and their intention is never to hurt us. So they might, you know, take a funny step and step on your foot by accident, but yeah, they're yeah. not mean creatures. Like they would never want to hurt us. And they save our butts so many times when we get the wrong distance to a jump or something and they like put their head up, like stay on there. Like, <laughs> don't come off. So, um, we're really, really lucky to work, uh, with and ride and love these amazing creatures. Do you offer like stabling for other people? Like how does that even work? Have people come to you asking to, uh, to stable their horses? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, like I said, like we're in a lot of a rural area, uh, just right outside of Tacoma. So it stands to reason that there would be, be some people who would be interested in having that aspect. Totally. Yeah. So we're a training competition facility. Um, there are other barns that are just boarding barns. So you can board there and just like ride your own horse and do your own thing. We're a training facility. So everybody who boards their horse with us has to have their horse in training. Okay. Um, you know, I have my horses in training. I just think it it's so much safer to have that check-in with a trainer. So that's just how we like to do it. And then we all go as a barn and we compete. And it's not like you're on a team or anything. But, um, you know, horse people can be like anything, right? Some of the worst people ever, but most of them are the most amazing (laughs) people ever. Um, and so like our environment is a very supportive and loving environment. You will find all of our boarders at the back gate at the show, like cheering and rooting for each other. And, and that is really all you can ask for. Um, you know, it's a a weird sport where it's just us and our horse, right? It's not a team sport, so it can be really lonely, but we've been able to like collect these little you know, all these people that are so supportive and amazing. And so it's just this really, really great environment to be a part of. That's awesome. I just love that aspect. Now, I know that with um, McCallum & Sons Whiskey, you have the the social media. Do you have Iron Horse social media as well? We do, yeah. Nice, nice. So you, people can check it out, see all the pictures. and yep. I mean, even just if you're following it, you can just follow and check out all the horses and yeah, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and if anybody wants to come see the farm, we're a closed and private facility usually, but on June 3rd, we're hosting a memorial benefit show. Um, we had a stillborn son in 2018, and so every Sorry. year Thank you. We have done a diaper drive to um, a kind of in his honor. And we, we kind of say we're creating a legacy that he couldn't leave for himself. Uh, and this year um, I'm doing a benefit horse show. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And so we oh. are um, all the money will go towards the diaper bank and, and buying diapers and, and that kind of stuff for kids in need. Um, but yeah, we are going to allow people from the public to come and check it out and cool. watch it happen. There will be a fee to either come in or you have to bring a box of diapers um, just, you know, so that yeah, we can further sense. benefit the cause. But Absolutely. yeah, at Iron Horse on June 3rd, if you guys want to stop by. And people can go to the website if you want to, theironhorsefarmwa.com yep. to find all of that. June 3rd will be the diaper drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like when you're sending the email, when you sent the original email to come onto the show, which anyone you can do that if you if you have something interesting or if you know someone who is interested in maybe being on the podcast or talking about what they're doing in Tacoma shoot us an email info at gritcitypodcast.com you guys did that and you threw out all the information it was just like it's cool because sure yeah you have your businesses here and you're you're looking to you know create a life for yourselves here and be able to do that but you're also looking towards 
helping out the community. And like just that whole aspect is really what I love about what you guys are doing. But also just like a lot of Tacomans in particular, like they want to be able to help out whichever way they possibly can. Some people don't necessarily know. And through unfortunate circumstances, you find your calling with that. But just being able to give back to a community, not just uh, just, you know, uh, be in a space and, you know, do all of your things here. Being able to do that is commendable. I absolutely love the fact that you guys are doing that because, it, again, you're talking about community and in every aspect of what you're doing is community. Like, so that's just fantastic. And like, seriously, thank you guys for doing that mm-hmm. and managing to be like having fun here in Tacoma. <laughs> like, and that's like, I think the coolest part about it. Like when you were talking about like the horses, uh, my first thing came like, uh, at four, I also was on a horse, but oh, it didn't come. Yeah. This, this is, is a stepdad <laughs> story. This, yeah. This is a stepdad story. <laughs> One of Scott's favorite things is where I tell a story about my stepdad and I find out, Oh yeah, this is kind of traumatic. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, like I talked about the Roy rodeo because my step grandparents owned, uh, basically the giant farmhouse right next to it. And so they had stables and they had weird animals. They had llamas and ostriches whenever, you know, but they did have horses. And I just remember being put on a horse, not wanting to be put on a horse mm-hmm. and then crying until, I was taken off of the horse. Yeah. Like that was my whole experience with that. But it's just being able to fact that people can go and experience that, uh, especially on June third. Go and check it out and experience that event um, and see what that's about. And then you can see again. It's just exp- being able to hang out with horses as an adult now. I'm like way more okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. just like yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Maxine's done an incredible job and like so inspirational. Uh, how how she's taking on the the, the diaper project uh, that she's done over the last few years, and um, you know, I pitch in, but it's really all her. Uh, again, it's just um, the the way she manages projects like that and takes on takes on these massive like whether it be an event or or building out a space or building a business. Like she's so incredible at that and. Um, been truly inspirational to see her do this um, in honor of of our son Arlo. Um, but to talk about the horses, like it, it's so awesome too. She donates anytime um, an organization reaches out looking for uh, some sort of contribution to uh, their fundraisers. Maxine likes to donate, um, like own a horse for a day, like oh. like a package, like own a horse for a day. Um, where you know if someone bids on this auction item. Um, maybe for like one of their kids or something like that. The, the the child gets to come to the farm. They get to uh, they get to groom the horse. They get to feed the horse. They get to tack up. They get to. I mean, and jokes by, on by you, the way, your tack- kid's gonna scoop poop. But it's just so cool. And and uh, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I I assume if someone probably reached out, you know, through Instagram or social media or something like that, I'm sure Maxine would love to kind of hook someone up with that um, the- in, in the future if someone. Truly interested or passionate yeah. about about horsemanship. It's all about asking, and that's like one of those things. Like you throw it out there, and like uh, it feels like. And I'm again, like not going to speak for you on that aspect, but just reaching out, being like, you never know who might end up being a horse person. Mm-hmm. Like you started at four, like it can go from you know to sixty to seventy, one hundred and four, whatever. I don't know about one hundred and four, but like it just like one of those aspects. Like you never know. Like if you're interested in these sort of things. It could be a whole new hobby, lifestyle aspect of it. And I just, it, it, a stone's throw. Like, you can just go. It's like 
from right here, maybe a 15 minute drive Mm -hmm. and we're in downtown at the union club. So Mm -hmm. like the fact that it is, like you said, it's super close. You can experience the rural living without going too deep and still have that fun. Like I just, I think that's commendable. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's really cool. I'm sure there's people in Tacoma who have never been around horses, and I think this is a great opportunity for people to just mm-hmm. come and see. And yeah, and we do we do do lessons, so like we um, we really feel like people kind of need to commit, right? So we make them take them in like four lesson blocks because mm-hmm. we're yeah. not really like a pony ride place. Right. Like we're <laughs> people trying to run businesses, right? So like you know our trainers they're each running a business. And so they need to have like clients that are going to come back. Um, but, um, if, if anyone's, you know, wanting to learn how to ride, we have two amazing trainers and, um, you know, there's really something to be said for hippotherapy, right? Like the therapy with the horses, um, certainly for me, right. They help my mental state a whole lot. Uh, but they're, they are just incredible animals. So if, if it's something that your kid is wanting to do, like I always for little girls recommend it. Uh, I was the most shy little girl that you probably have ever seen. Super lonely, you know, kind of a little crazy childhood and, uh, riding horses gave me confidence like nothing else has. I mean, to have like a little tiny person on top of such a large creature and be able to control it, right? That gives you confidence. So, um, you know, if, if, especially if your daughter is struggling with something like that, definitely reach out and see if you can take some lessons because it is good for kids. That's amazing. Like seriously, uh, Glenn, Maxine, thank you for being on the show. Uh, we will definitely get you guys back on. Like, it's super fun. Just like anytime you have events coming up, we will do follow-ups. Like, I just love the fact that it's two separate businesses that yet still commingle perfectly. Like they just mesh so well and really do fit both the, uh, just all the aspects of Tacoma, really, to be perfectly honest with that. Um, thank you for being on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you guys have any other questions or comments, shoot us ones, man. We'll have them back on, and we'll do some coaster questions on that as well. Um, thank you for listening on the Discord. And gosh, yeah, like I'm just super stoked for all of this. Like I'm really excited. Like, I re- I, I absolutely need to check out the 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 shop right now. Yeah, like I'm like really well, not right now, but well, and but, also yeah. <laughs> root for us because we we did just win um, the oh, whiskey yeah. magazine Icons of Whiskey best single outlet retailer in the U.S. And nice. we we're headed to London. We were shortlisted for the world. So who would have thought that a little shop in Tacoma when you're in? Right? Uh, yeah. So yeah, for sure. That's check really us cool. out. Yeah. Well, just like one last little thing like how does one become the best retailer in the u.s when it comes like that just seems walk in the store and find out got him hooked <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on again thank you everyone for listening you can find all of our info at gritcitypodcast.com and until next time guys stay gritty you've been listening to the grid city podcast Check them out at GritCityPodcast.com. Yeah.